0: Yeah, 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 yeah! It's a party in the USA. Throw your hands up! <laughs> There's gonna be so many good chances to make a pun the entire time that we're doing this. I love that.
1: The party pun committee.
0: Get this party started. <laughs> Get this invisible party started.
1: On Saturday night. I used to love that song in like 2002 or whenever that was. It's oh, a banger. It's a certified banger.
0: We should get Pink to come on.
1: Yeah, I wonder what she's up to. Hmm, I she's, she's Gen X, right?
0: I don't know. How old is she? Yeah, she, I feel like she's a little bit older than me. Because
1: I don't... And
0: I, you, you can't be a little bit older than me and not be Gen X. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: And you can't be younger than me and, be, uh, and not be a Zoomer, so...
0: That's right. We span the... The full range of millennial representation mm, mm. here at Party Girls Pod. Hello and welcome to Party Girls. There we go. Nailed it. Didn't forget to do an intro. Um, Again. The slutty podcast for dumb bitches. I don't know. <laughs> We're still workshopping the uh, the tagline, as you can see.
1: Become uncancelable.
0: That's a good one. That's a good one. You're rolling that out early. Um, but yeah. This is, um, this is a brand new podcast from me, Jamie Peck. And, and me,
1: Sam Beard. My
0: friend from Stop Cop City. I will leave it up to you how many personal details you would like to reveal about yourself. Um, you ha- you're like a much more upstanding citizen than me in that you have a job. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you know, I uh, don't want to push you. I don't, it's up to you.
1: Sex work is work, Jamie Peck.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot
1: <laughs> You're a career woman
0: That's right And don't you forget it That was a test and you passed it
1: Well, welcome to our new pod, Party Girls The hottest party in the USA
0: That's right Here on this podcast, we're going to talk about You know, Tommy shit
1: And gossip
0: what did you think I was going to do? And gossip, because I'm also a silly bitch still, and so is Sam. So we're all going to have a real fun time, I think. I mean, is that a good thesis statement? Does that sum up what the project is, <laughs> pretty much?
1: Silly bitches, gossip, and communism. Yeah. That's the big three.
0: I mean, yeah, these are the only things I care about. <laughs> facts, facts. <laughs> that and I don't know like music I guess. We could talk about music from time to
1: time. Yeah, we could do that. Um stick around to the end for uh for a song and for information about Jamie's other passion which is Indie Sleaze warehouse parties. Oh but you'll have to listen for the till the end of the episode to learn more about that.
0: That's right. So, um yeah, what you're about to hear is an episode we recorded a few days ago and we were so excited to get this party started that we uh forgot to do a real introduction and you know it's the first one so i feel like we really should do something along those lines so um here we are introducing ourselves and this podcast which we literally just agreed on a name for but uh did we discuss the name yet in this take
1: probably party girls partygirls.org the word. right right right
0: okay cool um but yeah, uh, I hope you like it. You know, like, subscribe, sound up in the comments. I guess I'm going to make a Patreon or some shit. Mm, like yeah. That seems like Hell the model, yeah. the thing people Give are using. Give us your stuff.
1: money so we can go to the summit.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, we need money to go to the summit. Um, or, I don't know, maybe we'll get a fucking P.O. box and people can mail us, like, envelopes of dollar bills if they want to. Mail us Whatever. your Bitcoins. Whatever you want to do. Oh, God.
1: Oh, we'll If up. any of you know how to start a Monero account, hit me up.
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny you should mention that. Some weirdo libertarian guy online who was like horny for me tried to send me. He wanted to send me a tribute, but he only would send it in Monero. And I was like, I don't know how to fucking do that shit. Just Venmo me or leave me alone. But I guess I probably done goof because it would probably be worth a lot. By now, mm.
1: who knows that crypto market sure is volatile all right that's the only crypto reference for the whole episode <laughs> we promise
0: so if you're still out there you fucking freak um, it's not too late you could send your Monero to Sam and he'll figure it out mm. and we can share it and use it for um, trips and politics
1: what kind of trips
0: uh, only the best kind mm. <laughs> very strictly above board Yes. Trips, Just, uh, you know, business trips We're going to go on some Antifa business trips with your Monero
1: Well, we're pushing Probably a minute 25 An hour 25 at this point with our intro But um, keep a lookout for this podcast I think it'll be a weekly And uh, currently uh, I'm the sole video Or audio editor So, um, you know uh, we'll, we'll get those levels right by episode 3 I promise
0: That will put us ahead of 99% of leftist podcasts. So, um, thanks for taking that on.
1: Chapo, we're coming for your
0: seat. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. I hope you guys like it and we're out.
1: Did you do yours? Yes, it was at the exact same time as yours.
0: Wow. It was really Okay, cool. It was really cool.
1: Um, oh, I spent cool. all day getting a uh, really over the top setup set up, and it took me a you. long time to get the audio monitoring, the, the real li- like uh, real time live monitoring of my microphone through my headphones, while also getting yours through my headphones. Oh wow! And I figured it out.
0: <laughs> I don't have that. That's really impressive. Well, I'll
1: come over to uh, Bushwick and I'll teach you how to do it.
0: Well, something you should know about podcasting is that um, nobody knows how to do any of this shit. So
1: you are already <sighs> an overachiever. Oh, that's so good. Um, speaking of that, like it... <laughs> I'd like to thank our corporate sponsor, Coca-Cola.
0: Oh, wow. <sighs> right out the gate with that.
1: <sighs> so refreshing. If
0: we do video, we they can actually see you drinking it. I don't know if we're going to have that figured out for this time or not.
1: You got juiced?
0: Um. Oh, I'm in LA, bitch!
1: Oh shit! What did
0: you expect me to be drinking? That looks
1: good. It's like a shitty little label too. Like they just made it on a printer.
0: Oh yeah. What's the first? Ingredient? Shout out to um assorted seasonal greens. Oh, you got that good shit. Then we got celery, cucumber, lemon, apples, and a little hint of oj, which I don't really taste. Shout out to Rick's Produce, our local sponsor. Shout out in Rick, Los Angeles. Mine's a Um, water
1: and caramel color, aspartame, and a bunch of other words I don't want to pronounce on camera.
0: Well, there you have it, the duality of our personas. I mean, whatever. (laughs) But yeah, I'm in LA. Um, I woke up to the sound of rain, which was nice, except not really, because this is how fucking traumatized I am by my apartment
1: in New York. Like, how do you you feel when you hear The Sound of Rain? You know, the the song Thank You by Dido cues into my head. And I'm just like imagining with my hand on the window pressed. Uh, I really love The Sound of Rain. I find it tranquil and relaxing um, and a beautiful expression of the power of Mother Earth.
0: Well, that's nice. I used to feel the same way. Then I lived in an apartment with a fucking leak for five (laughs) years. And now it fills me with dread. So, just one more reason why we gotta, you know, get organized, overthrow
1: the landlords. You've been having that leak for five years. Big time. That's it's a-
0: never been as bad as it is right now, though.
1: That seems to be, that makes sense to me, that it keeps getting worse.
0: Well, they keep pretending to fix it and they fucking gaslight us about it because everyone in the building has the same problem. They're like, oh, we fixed it. And then it comes back again every time it rains so everyone is finally angry enough to do a rent strike so if i can keep organizing that from la i might never come back well not never but not until my apartment is habitable again because guess what i kind of like not having a leak in my dwelling where i currently have to live turns out it's nice
1: that makes a lot i forgot of sense. what
0: that was even like
1: in my place we have a. Uh radiators on the ceiling which doesn't make a lot of sense because heat rises but you know i'm in the garden unit so that's a good name for podcast the garden unit um yeah and it it sometimes drips boiling water on my forehead or on my cat but it's only like a few drops every night so i kind of put up with it it's just like a little treat (laughs) from the ceiling
0: (laughs) man you know the rent is too damn high. You know we're in a nationwide housing crisis when we're like, it only burns me a little bit every <laughs> once in a while. It could be so much worse. And I'm only paying $2,000 a month. It's great. Cool. Sounds Cool great. world. Cool world we're living in. Um, How how does this day find you in Chicago?
1: Um, It's good. I... Uh... I didn't do the things that I was planning on doing today. Um, I was going to go to a meeting, then I overslept. And uh, I was going to go on the first date that I've been on in, like, quite a long time. And uh, and she canceled, so. Um, oh, no. R.I.P. Uh, I was going to
0: ask you about that.
1: Yeah, we were going go to go
0: like- to... Postponing it or canceling
1: It Uh, It was postponing Uh, I believe that uh, She has fallen ill Um, And of course I'm just like yeah absolutely Take all the rest you need Uh, Let's maybe try to link up next weekend I'm flexible Um, Talk to you soon
0: What was the date gonna be
1: we were going to go to, uh, it's funny, uh, they, uh, she actually suggested my favorite little coffee shop cafe in uh, the hipster palace of Logan Square, which is Cafe Mustache, aptly named, very indie sleazecore. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, although they have relatively subpar coffee, which sucks, but it's like $3 a cup. So, you know, you can't complain. And uh, we were going to go there. And then I was going to come home and talk about it on my podcast. But it's probably good that that didn't happen. So I don't do that.
0: Oh, we have a podcast. You just said my podcast.
1: I've never done a podcast before. Um, oh, you God. have, though, right?
0: I have. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: when is hmm. it... <laughs> we, we can talk about that later.
0: <laughs> Still trying to figure out how to talk about that even because I like to keep it 100 with all my people out there. So the parasocial relationship is as real as possible, you know, not just like, you know, I'm pretending to be a person. So you guys all like me like, no, um, I am a person, but, um, yeah, we're doing it. We're doing a new one. And that's a really great way to move on from any, um, bitterness. I may feel over how the second to last one went. So, um, yeah, I hope you've all enjoyed this cold open. Um, And we're going to talk a whole lot more about our dating lives. I think that's fun. So watch out, fellas, (laughs) if you're talking to me on Tinder um, and you don't come correct. okay. so actually, I have three guys. These are three guys on Tinder that I want to tell you about. They're all very short. Don't worry. We can get to wait. They're short like
1: they're not tall.
0: Oh, no, no, no. The stories because I haven't met any of them. So, oh, God. So L.A. Tinder right there are more men on there that i think are good looking than in new york but of those men a much higher percentage seem very boring (laughs) like all their pictures are of them like surfing or whatever surfing seems kind of cool trust me okay that's just that's just one example that i'm using but uh yeah no they i can tell if someone seems super boring from their profile but uh and and also they're not smart. So, you know, in New York, like even if someone's not actually communist, they're at least like kind of smart, you know? <laughs> so they could they like know what it is, so they can pick up on these little signals that I've left, these little breadcrumbs I've left in my profile. I mean, they're not breadcrumbs, it's like pretty fucking obvious, I think. Yeah. Like where I say party girl turned party girl and I've got like the red flag and the black flag emojis around oh, it yeah like, that's not subtle no but um there's one guy who messaged me and he messaged me the red flag emojis right back to me but there's no way he understood what i was talking about like trust me i'll show you the dms them. No, so I'm like po-
1: probably like i love me a girl with red flags
0: yeah, So so I'm pretty sure he just liked it that I had red flags Which is very funny And I asked him That's asked kind him of a red it. flag
1: to be honest
0: yeah, No shit uh, But you know different rules for my vacation boyfriend Than for my regular one So uh, I was like be honest Weston Because I matched with two guys named Weston In the space of one hour Which is I'm like what's that about uh, Oh you froze up for a second there Are you still there? Oh, fuck. Oh, my Wi-Fi. Sam. Sammy.
1: And we're back.
0: Oh, yeah. I was like, I was like, hey, just curious. Uh, <laughs> did you understand the Marxist references in my Tinder profile? Or did you just think that the red flags meant that i and you are not allowed to say this back to me, a crazy bitch? <laughs> and he was like, No. But I he totally meant yes. <laughs> so that was that was funny. Also I match I, I matched and then unmatched um with a guy who was like, Oh, hey, he came in real hot. He was like, Oh my god, Jamie, I was so sure that we were gonna match. Like, we're gonna be such a dangerous combo winky face. And I was like, Bleh. <laughs> But but he's kind of hot so i was like say more you know and i thought he was gonna be like you know because we're so wild and crazy or whatever and that would have been fine but he mm-hmm. said the one thing that i was like oh absolutely not he was like i used to live in moscow i used to work in moscow and i hate communism <laughs> and i was like
1: how old is this guy? I mean, he's like, wh- when did did he know? Did he know? Uh, was he even alive during so-called communism in Moscow?
0: He was a baby, unless he's lying about his age and he looks really good. So oh. I, was, I was like, oh, buddy. And then <laughs> you don't know who you're talking to. And then he tried to, like, backpedal furiously. But I was like, oh, Joel. His name's Joel. I'm afraid it's too late for us. Enjoy your crumbling system. And I unmatched him.
1: (laughs) Dating as a communist is hard.
0: It can be. And, uh, you know, I would much rather have... So I had, like, a decent date. Really good date with a guy before I left New York. Who, like, doesn't think he's that political. He doesn't feel qualified to comment on political shit. But he thinks everything that we are doing is cool When I, you know, explained to him about it He hates the cops And he has some class rage From working at a fancy restaurant Where rich people dine And I was like, that is so much better Like, I can work with that I will take that any day Over some fucking lib who wants to debate me Like, give me a break
1: No, give me a fucking break
0: <laughs> And then the last one happened last night Oh my god this is pretty funny. So fucking Shane. Shane from Tinder. I actually gave him my number and I immediately regretted it because he sends too many GIFs. GIFs? GIFs?
1: Definitely GIF.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. That is the first split in this podcast <laughs> <right>? <laughs> over the pronunciation of that word. But um, ugh. I was I was bored last night. Okay, I was bored. I was lonely. I had no plans. Jake was off seeing Days and Days, which is a folk punk band. I
1: oh my don't really
0: fuck with. <laughs> But now, of course, I wish I had gotten. He's like, "Oh my god, it was so awesome!" <laughs> that's I, my I
1: bet. They had fun. That's yeah, my
0: Jake impression. But um, I was like, "Oh, what's up?" Sorry for the late reply. And then he sends me a video clip of Bill Maher. What? And he was telling a joke that's. I was like, "Okay, I hate Bill Maher, but that's actually kind of funny." <laughs> and then he goes, "Most do, hence why he's so great." I love him through and through. And then he says, My politics make
1: both sides go wacky. That's so cringe. And I don't know if I've ever said that word. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, my full body just cringed all over again just reading it. Wow. So then I was like, God damn it, Shane. I said that to him. My <laughs> and then he goes, then he goes, quiz me per issue. And I just said, no. And I'm never gonna talk to him again.
1: <laughs> oh, that's rough. The fuck is wrong with people? My politics make both sides go wacky. I mean, yeah. I, might have, I have certain positions that I could, certain contexts that I could say that in. Um, but I guess it depends on what we mean by sides.
0: I think he uh, means Democrats and Republicans. I'm not going to. Oh, yeah, both sides. Both sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, all of the sides that there are to politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's how dating is going for me.
1: For me, I keep going on to uh, one of the dating apps and the first profile that they always recommends is this one girl that I asked out who said no, and I don't want to swipe right and I don't want to swipe left. So I just open and close the dating app until she cycles through and disappears and comes back again two days later.
0: Oh, wow. You got to... Maybe she'll change her mind if you swipe right. There's no harm in it
1: okay well I'm, i am i am i am always worried about harming so
0: like she won't know um, that you swiped right on her in case it's you're hinge. i think she, she will you're know. worried about her feeling unsafe because of your swipe <laughs> oh right it sends likes it sends likes to people Hmm. oh well i don't like it that it keeps making you look at her so you should no just click the x and move on yeah
1: i should just i should just move on okay that's a good idea. I wonder if uh, she's up here now. I could do that now, be liberating.
0: Oh my god! I'm gonna watch you. I'm gonna nope.
1: M- I'm gonna make sure you do it. She's not there. Okay. Uh, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna swipe on her podcast. Um,
0: <laughs> what is so- this Tinder Live with Lane Moore?
1: Whoa! Is that a show?
0: Yeah, I used to work with her when I worked at um, Death and Taxes. She was at the Frisky. She has a cool show called Tinder Live. It's like a live show where they, you know,
1: it's what it sounds like. Anyway, that's spectacular.
0: Yeah, you'd probably be into it. Um, so that was the, you know, the, the portion where we do TMI about our personal lives, dating as a come on strong. I hope mm-hmm. you guys liked it. There's a lot more where that came from. Or if you don't like it, sound off in the comments.
1: Well there's this like there's this there's this question that gets posed, which is like, do you date within your political milieu or do you not do that? And there's like some pretty strong schools of thought. And every success like most wildly successful relationships that I've seen, uh, that are still lasting to this day, are some that originated outside of the political milieu. And they're not like people who organize together and work together and have all these other Things that tie them together But then it's also just like I don't know I see people doing polyamorous relationships like... And the The, the... main like, eh, like Hats off to those who are able to do that Like that sounds for me like a logistical um, Burden But like for those who I've seen Like do poly well Or something like that You know It's their entire life and they spend most of their free time managing various relationships. Um, And that's, you know, saying it out loud doesn't actually sound that ridiculous, you know, but um, I just don't think that I'm cut out for it.
0: Fair enough. I was actually talking to Jake's girlfriend about this because she has two girlfriends and a boyfriend. And uh, she was like, yeah, I don't like make a virtue out of it. Like, I don't think it's political that I'm polyamorous. And I think most people would probably not be happy this way. But I happen to be, you know, have the exact right constitution for it. I have a lot of free time on my hands. You know, she's a (laughs) pretty big extrovert and just really enjoys that kind of thing. So, yeah, she's like, if you want to try it, you should try it. But, you know, (laughs) maybe don't try this at home, kids. If it seems bad to you, don't... uh, don't force yourself because of politics but or because um, it's fashionable oh yeah there's definitely many corners of the world certain corners of the world where it is fashionable but to answer your question i feel like well maybe it wasn't a question more of a comment but um, i feel like i would much rather date someone who is uh i can kind of who's like interested and open to it even if they don't know that much and i can kind of you know, mold them in my image than like a very advanced <laughs> tanky or liberal or anything like that. Is that, is that, um, right? My like the person you we were talking
1: about that, uh, well, you know, molding your partner in your image sounds like it could be fun for a little bit, but it's probably, um, a slippery slope there. But I, I don't know. Oh, I think like wh- that, that stems for... back.
0: <laughs> worked <this laughs> on Sean for like nine years and now I like look that's one thing that no no one can ever take away from me that he gave to me uh, he helped me find my politics if it wasn't him it was going to be someone else because you know mm. at the time I was like oh you're a communist that's sexy like tell me more that's
1: part mm-hmm. of why
0: I chose him but um, maybe we're past the age when you can do that I don't know
1: like are people capable of changing? Yeah, their their the way they view the world. I don't know. Maybe um, it's like for me, what I'm imagining as a nice dynamic is, um, you know, it it what I've garnered from you is your world's pretty expansive, and you've got friends and connections um, and and community in various parts of the country and things like that. And it's like I'd be interested in like finding a partner who has a large world as well. Um, but it could be in different circles or different activities or different, you know, like they've got passions, they've got skills, they've got friends and community and dreams and they don't have to be the same as mine, but I just want them to be rich in character, whatever character that is.
0: Yeah. That's very good and healthy. I like that. Um, yeah, I think I really just want to date a hot rock and roll guy who plays in a band. Fuck yeah.
1: Fuck yeah. Honestly, that's all.
0: (laughs) My taste has not changed since middle school when I was in love with Trent Reznor and various TV vampires. So there you go. That's
1: That, that sounds way healthier than what I was talking about. Like, I don't know. <laughs> that's peak.
0: Well, um, the dude I was describing from the good date is a drummer, which is super hot. So... We'll see I probably just I probably just jinxed it By saying it out loud But it was We had a cute date And then I was like All right See you in a month Bye (laughs) So Oh back in the Big Apple Yeah Probably just been You know Staring out the window Ever since Awaiting My return
1: With rain Pouring down And Dido playing In the background
0: Callback Wow Yeah We've uh We've got the callbacks Going already I like that
1: Hell yeah. So, uh, so I'm looking at this little outline that uh, we made. I, uh, I did drop it in the chat and the last item on there was online dating as a communist. Uh, so we could check that uh, one off, check that one off the list. Um, I don't know how to do strike through as a keyboard shortcut, but I will learn over the course of this. You're gonna, you're gonna be the most
0: powerful podcaster ever. If you learn how to do strike through (laughs) that is so beyond most of our abilities.
1: Ooh, it says anonymous cheetah has joined the document. So I really Wait, love what? that for you. You're the anonymous <laughs> cheetah who's joined. Yeah, that's you, baby.
0: Wow. Okay. It says I'm in here with an anonymous jackal. <gasps> oh, I think that's you, unless there's a third, a secret third person.
1: In my head, I correlate jackals with being like bad guys like there was this james bond shooter game that i had on the gamecube and there was this bad guy named jackal
0: what about carlos the jackal that's something right idk oh yeah no i'm reading about him right now oh he was a real guy oh fuck um i don't know yet (laughs) everyone's gonna be like you idiot you don't know about carlos the jackal Uh, I mean, his
1: name doesn't. His name doesn't exactly sound like a good guy.
0: He's a Venezuelan. Oh no, he. mm, Okay, here. Let me let me read this and you tell me. Okay. Okay. Uh, He is a Venezuelan who conducted a series of assassinations and terrorist bombings from 1973 to 1985. A committed Marxist-Leninist. Okay, Ramirez Sanchez. Because that was his real second two names. His real name was Illich Ramirez Sanchez. Uh, was one of the most notorious Political terrorists of his era Protected and supported by the Stasi and the KGB After several bungled bombings Ramirez Sanchez led the 1975 raid on the organization Of the Petroleum Exporting Countries OPEC headquarters In Vienna during which three people were Killed he and five others demanded A plane really 70s Was the golden age of hijacking planes <laughs> uh, And flew with a number of Hostages to Libya Wow, Jesus Christ! After his wife, this dude went hard.
1: Up, <laughs> yeah,
0: Carlos the Jackal <laughs> went hard as fuck. His wife was arrested and imprisoned. Then he, so in response, he detonated a series of bombs. Look, if a man wouldn't detonate a series of bombs for you, ladies,
1: no, 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 Bill Maher fan would fucking do that. <laughs> Don't
0: waste your time claiming <laughs> eleven lives and injuring more than one hundred demanding the French release his wife. Damn right. For many years, he was among the most wanted international fugitives. He was ultimately captured by extrajudicial means in Sudan and transferred to France, where he was ultimately convicted of multiple crimes. He is currently serving three life sentences in France. He's still alive, bitches. He's going to have the last laugh. In his first trial... Carlos he was... the Jackal. <laughs> he was convicted... You know... What? Yeah, I mean you get no, it, people...
1: right? <laughs> I think I do get it. You know, I uh I'm supposed to make a value judgment on this character right now publicly. And um I think parts of him are based, parts of him are cringe, dare I say. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a big proponent this day and age of revolutionary terrorism. I don't know if that's the way to win the hearts and souls of our peers. Um It hasn't
0: historically, Mm. although I'm sure lots and lots of people are going to come at us with, like, glorious counterexamples.
1: And I guess uh, it depends on how you define terrorism, Uh, because if you define terrorism as the same way that uh, the state of Georgia in the United States of America defines terrorism, then one might say that whatever the fuck it is that they're talking about is... Well, A, <laughs> not terrorism, uh, and B, good, actually. Uh, people like allegedly camping in a forest to prevent it from being cut down sounds warm and good.
0: I mean, it, no, it's so fucking ridiculous that they're trying to call us terrorists, us, them. I mean, yeah, we were there. <laughs> we were in Atlanta. We, I think we've both been pretty uh, open about that, so...
1: We yeah, no. There. We've been there. Uh,
0: uh yeah, let's not steal valor from the real terrorists. We a bunch of hippies camping in trees is uh not terrorism and it's also not <laughs> violence. Sorry. Like there was that um that interview with Andreas mom that you sent me how to the how to blow up a pipeline guy. And you know, yeah, the... I
1: have yet to read that, but I'll let you lead on it.
0: Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay so yeah the fucking you know the lib at the new york times they were like so over the top this interviewer was so extra they just kept asking they kept asking him all this crazy shit that was like wildly inappropriate and he just he just answered it probably in a very like calm you know swedish way i imagine and um they were like really really bringing their hands about political violence but uh, the first time he mentioned it, the first time the interviewer mentioned it, there was like a little footnote, like, by political violence, Mal- we are only referring to property destruction. Malm does not advocate violence against human beings. And I'm like, all right, well, that's a pretty important note. If you're gonna like put it in the headline that it's about political violence, this guy advocates political violence. And then there's a tiny, tiny footnote saying like, but not not it's not about hurting anyone though like I feel like that's kind of important
1: yeah I mean one thing that's like I guess we'll just start talking about how we met which was block cop city stuff and um for those who don't know block cop city was a uh, nonviolent mass action convergence that happened in Atlanta Georgia in the United States in November of 2023 uh to shut down construction operations of the cop city um and we use this language of nonviolence and um just a couple days ago someone had asked a pretty good question of just like well when you say nonviolence are you talking about property destruction too and it's like no obviously we're not but that language of nonviolent action like means something to a lot of people and it's like we actually like have to be more specific about our terms you know
0: yeah yeah there've been there's been a lot of back and forth and a lot of belly aching over the definitions of these things and it, it just goes to show you you know uh we need to be precise because it's very easy for us to be misunderstood in this extremely fragmented day and age cuz you know it it is possible to do violence to uh you know an inanimate object certainly it's just uh not it's not a bad thing necessarily Whereas I think violence to a human being uh, should always be something that we take very seriously.
1: See, I would actually disagree with that definition. I don't think I would say that, like, categorically, one can't commit violence against an inanimate object. And it's a different term. It's a different type of activity. It's it's destruction. It's breaking. It's damaging. Um, But for me, and this is not like, you know, I'm not looking out in Webster right now or whatever. But for me, violence is something committed against a living being or planet Earth itself.
0: Well, that's why we all need to get on the same page about stuff like this before we can even have a conversation. Yeah. Because it's so easy. And, you know, the media being what it is, it's very easy for your points to be misconstrued and misrepresented. But um, I think one important reason why I want to do this podcast and, you know, I think we need leftists to be doing media in general is because when you refuse to engage in the public sphere, when nobody from a movement is willing to show their face, use their name, talk about what moves them, um the lame stream media can create whatever fucking narrative they want for us.
1: So... Here we are creating our own narrative because the because the mainstream media will still always create whatever fucking narrative they want. Of course, you know it's it it, yeah. There's a categorical difference between having nothing to work with and something to work with. I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's like just we can just think about how the language of violence of nonviolent resistance has even just changed over the last you know few decades or whatever, Um, and I don't know a ton about this first guy, but like what I'm imagining in with like Gandhi's form of nonviolent action was categorically different than what it it looked like in the United States, or well, was was different than what it looked like in the United States during the civil rights era, which is different from what it looked like in the United States in the environmentalist era. Um, And there was like a certain level of escalation with like now direct action and lockdowns and things like that. Um, And then I'm just thinking back to the summer of 2020, and I heard this phrase for the first time, we keep us safe, and that's really big in Chicago and in abolitionist circles elsewhere, I'm sure. Um, And later that summer, after hearing it, we saw these images uh, come out of Kenosha. There was a police shooting in Kenosha at the end of summer of 2020 against Jacob Blake, and there were frontline black bloc helmet wearing gas mask wearing activists on the front lines in front of the police with with shields with we keep us safe spray painted on it, right? And it's like this um this language of what could be classified as as safety, what could be classified as protecting against violence as nonviolent action, like changes and shifts over time. And then we move up to the Block Cop City twenty twenty three action and here comes the wedge.
0: Oh boy, the wedge the thing we almost named this podcast after, and I still, I think it's a great idea, but no one's going to get it, and like, it'll be really Hotties great get for it. the people who do get it, but um, and also David Sirota named his substack The Lever, so. <laughs> well,
1: the, the Wedge is a different type of simple machine than a lever.
0: That is true. Also... The lever is sort of a figure of speech, whereas the wedge refers to something real in the world, something material. You know,
1: for me, the wedge also embodies like um, what is a wedge, but something that moves through something that parts something that's previously seemed unpartable. Uh, and pushes through it and moves it to the side and just sort of does its own thing without any regards for uh, what is supposed to be impossible. And the wedge splits and separates, pierces, and moves on to a new threshold, which is exactly what happened at Block Cop City. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Is what a great
0: transition. There. So yeah, I feel like we should talk a little bit about this for people who might not know. Maybe we should back up a little. I don't know. Anyone who follows me. <laughs> Probably knows the basics of this fight in Atlanta because I've been deeply involved with it since um, since I went for the first time last March. Um, <clears throat> but basically, uh, they're trying to tear down the forest in Atlanta to build a giant mock city for the cops to practice killing people in. Um, they've already t- they've already cut down a lot of the forest, which is really sad, but it's gonna grow back someday eventually after you know after the humans are all dead and gone and the earth return nature heals you know (laughs) or hopefully before then if we're if we're lucky um but yeah most people know that a forest is better than a a city for cops and uh this movement has gone through many different phases and for i mean we don't know we don't know what's going to happen but i think for the block cop city phase of the movement, um, it was an attempt to get out of the impasse that existed really ever since the cops killed the protester, Tortuguita. Gita, and we're gonna talk about that as well because there was just um, the one year anniversary passed on the 18th of January. Uh, but pretty much ever since then, the forest has been a space that we had to give up to the police and that didn't feel good uh, anyone who's been there can tell you that there is something special about being in the forest, doing direct action, in the place that you're trying to protect. And you know, I'm not like a vibey woo-woo person or whatever, but uh, there is something objectively good about <laughs> trees. Like, I'm pretty sure there've been studies, there've been studies done to say that uh, it's good for humans to be among trees. Like I don't think that's a a controversial statement. It's also I don't need no study
1: to tell me that shit.
0: <laughs> also true. It's also good for the earth to have trees on it. It's also good for you know for us to have fucking air to breathe, and you know it tamps down on the worst effects of climate change. There's all sorts of reasons why we need the trees. Um, but we were kicked out of the forest pretty much. People were afraid to live there after that, understandably so. And we wanted to reclaim that space. We wanted, um, and you can say your own reasons too, Sam. I don't wanna be a monologuer. I don't wanna be a mic hog here, but um, we wanted a way to respond to the insane charges that are being levied against a number of forest defenders, um, both the domestic terrorism charges and the RICO charges, um, because they think that people who care about the trees and show up to protect them, that's evidence of a conspiracy because these are laws that are meant to go after the mafia. So one week after this mass turn in of defendants, um, we got a bunch of people from all over the country to come and do a march, a direct action that basically consisted of a march to try to reoccupy the construction site, if only for a short time. And in doing so, open up new spaces and new possibilities for this movement and to show them that the repression is not going to scare everybody away. And um, one reason why it was a nonviolent direct action and why it was tagged as such was because we were just totally outgunned by the police. I don't think any of us are ideologically committed to nonviolence, but uh, it certainly is not it's not possible for every situation to be a a clash or an insurrection. Even, you know, we got to take it one step at a time. So. Uh, By tagging it as a nonviolent thing, we were able and, and, you know, sticking to it, we were able Mm. to travel around, talk about it freely with people, um, get people to come who might otherwise have been too scared to come because, you know, it's. As cool as it is, and I'm not going to denounce any tactics in this movement, right, Uh, as cool as it was to see the video of the police tower that got set on fire, as cool as it was to see, uh, you know, people shooting fireworks at the cops and have them get the fuck back, uh, that is not inviting to the vast majority of people, and in order to scale up our numbers, Uh, And and it's also not the kind of thing someone who doesn't know anyone could just go plug into, you know, that would be Mm. wildly foolish of (laughs) anyone to try to do that. And it would be foolish of anyone to say yes to it. Uh, So, you know, we wanted to do something because nothing was going on. It had really dwindled. The forces had really dwindled um, and people were tired. People were burned out. So we wanted to make a statement. We wanted to rejuvenate the movement. We wanted to get back in there. And we wanted to show them that we're not afraid. And I think on many fronts, it was the uh, it was a success. What do you think, Sam? Oh, and build the networks. Sorry, I always forget. Like at least one. Uh, there's thing. a bajillion
1: reasons that we that we <laughs> that we fight for a better world. You know, um I don't know if I'd want to listen to a podcast that names off all of them. Otherwise, we'd never you know fucking get off. Um, I really liked one thing that you said, which was just sort of like differentiating between an ideological commitment to nonviolence and maybe like what folks were calling a a strategic nonviolence, right? So sort of beginning from like you were talking about the specific material conditions, political conditions, social conditions, legal conditions of this uh, uh, logistical conditions, like the fencing in the forest, the cops there, um, what felt like the strategic move Back to what you were saying is to like open up these new horizons which feel incredibly closed off. Um not to mention all of these more just sort of practical and jarring reasons why one can't travel around the country um encouraging people to travel across the country to riot, you know. Uh you can't do that. Um or you you probably shouldn't, right? Um I guess you could. Um and I'm sure that a ways bad to do idea. It, it, it'd be a bad idea. Uh, you know we live in a free country or whatever um but there's obviously limitations to <laughs> to to that um and it's like so with the block cop city convergence, we saw there there was over eighty cities that had this presentation presented to them in the month leading up to 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 the action down there um and there was all sorts of people that came to these things right there were light green liberal environmentalists there were abolitionists there were people who kind of just heard about the defend the forest thing and didn't really know anything about it there were anarchists there were communists socialists nihilists there was all sorts of people and it's like there's not one specific action and there's certainly not one specific word or write-up that all of those people will uh you know agree with wholeheartedly there's obviously similarities and through lines between these different schools of thought but we have different ways of thinking about things and talking about things but the the sort of like insistence that you were making that this isn't an ideological claim this is just a strategic bounded temporally uh tactical decision to make at a specific moment in time for a specific political movement um i think was a really novel intervention into sort of just like how we organize in this country especially in anarchist spaces which can be pretty fucking moralistic sometimes um and like i'm an anarchist you know but it's like we can be pretty fucking moralistic sometimes and um always judging you know (laughs) always fucking judging um and you know I am becoming increasingly woo woo uh, and vibey, uh, so that's what, another thing that uh, balances us out um, between the two of us. But for me it's and like yet I'm other... drinking
0: a green juice and you're drinking a diet coke. Interesting. That's the yin and, and the wrong. yang of it all.
1: Ain't it? <laughs> ain't it? Indeed. Uh, although a friend of mine has, uh, who studies traditional Chinese medicine has been pronouncing it yang, uh, so I think that us Westerners have been mispronouncing it the whole time. I
0: mean, definitely, yeah.
1: uh and what i mean about like the the becoming increasingly woo woo um so in addition to everything that you were saying and like with a little tail note at the end that which we should revisit which is like the uh uh the network building and whatnot i think that's probably an important thing that we could touch on too but um to be a little woo woo about it is like one thing that I think is really interesting and this is like the the longer that I'm in the game the more I learn about this stuff just sort of naturally just the way that different social movements inform one another in the grand scale you zoom out for a few years or for a few decades and you just sort of look at the way that yeah, social movements inform one another. So like one sort of tactic that's deployed somewhere has a whole cascading butterfly effect around the globe uh, that communicates with different social movements where that might get picked up again in different ways. So Like the laser uh, from Hong Kong being used at the pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong. Um Hot
0: take for me. our tanky
1: listeners. <laughs> I was going to say not to upset any of our beloved tanky listeners. Whatever. Uh, you know, they're used uh, to it. It's fine. They're used to it. you know. And I, I increasingly fuck with people across lines of political difference, too. Like, I don't care if you're a fucking tanky. I'm not. I think it's ridiculous. But, like, you know, you're doing what you what makes sense to you. And that's good. Um, and it's like uh, with Block Cop City, one of the things that I think it did is it it made its own little... Um, butterfly effect that I think we 'll see the resonating ripples of for years to come on a few different fronts, but just two of them are I think this la- this idea of sort of tactical and strategic nonviolence which really is just sort of like we need to abandon rigid categories and obsessions with moral purity or just these ideas that somehow become more important than the material conditions in which they 're situated um, so like that sort of insistence on. Uh, a a strategic nonviolence which for almost everyone who i know who is involved in organizing this or participating in it nonviolent protest is fucking cringe usually you know um or just like the what 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 what's happened with that um and a lot of people have worked for decades to like get away from uh this false dichotomy between violence and nonviolence uh and then the other thing is this um uh this attempt at horizontality or something like that which is just a you know an a, a ethereal term or something but um a new way of organizing across lines of political difference uh to work towards a common goal
0: word yeah i mean one thing i really like about the movement to stop cop city is the way that it's brought together so many different people who are in the fight for so many different reasons and i do worry what will happen if this fight is definitively won or lost and we have to figure out something new to work on together. But at least, I think, at least for the purposes of our corner of the movement, which is to say the people that we engaged for Block Cop City and the network that we are building through the Wilani Defense Society of the U.S., um, it feels like these connections might be able to carry over. But it's too early to tell anything, really. And this is a fight that's still going on. So I don't want to get out over my skis too much about it.
1: You mentioned um, wilani Defense Society. And one thing that I was seeing pop up all over, uh, I mean, so what that is, is like in the days after Tort was killed uh, a year ago, uh, two days ago, a year ago, um, there was this phenomenon that sort of a lot of people in the fight to defend the atlanta forest right a decentralized and autonomous struggle many of the people who've been involved in this sort of work whether they be autonomists or um eco anarchists or uh insurrectionary nihilists or communists or whatever they're a lot of the more hard left tendencies it's a big tent um, not as big, big as tent.
0: dsa but that's a good thing that <laughs> we'll get into later <laughs>
1: and but uh the uh there's this issue that arises sometimes where um not, this idea of just like everyone just organize in accordance with like just just find your friends and do stuff, make it happen that that while sound tactically sound isn't always um super resonant or practical with people who are sort of like used to thinking about things in terms of organizations and like how do you talk to the media people come up and they say so who are you with you know even if they're not media they're fucking comrade they say who are you with who do you organize with how do i get involved and it's like when you're just like well it's actually just me and some of my friends doing things that make sense to us and you should do the same thing it's like okay great that's not fucking helpful um i'm trying to get involved and i don't know how to do that so, in order to like sort of um, respond to that that need with this, especially with this huge influx of attention that came out of the travesty of Torts assassination, is like, well, let's form a a new way of organizing together. And this Wallani Defense Society, a very sort of clean and polished sounding name, was born. And uh, what that all it sort of is is it's a very loose coordinating committee it's not an organization it's not a network it's not it's not a decision making body it's essentially a fucking coordinating committee maybe it's a network uh uh
0: it's a series of
1: tubes a series of tubes it's like a mcdonald's play place and um do they still have those
0: uh there is definitely at least one because i always drive by it when i'm upstate
1: feel like they're disgusting but they're like (laughs) (laughs) um
0: they don't smell great from what i remember mm. it's been a minute since i've been in one of those
1: and it's like in chicago for example two days ago we had a vigil at montrose point bird sanctuary right along the lake uh north of the loop and uh Me and one other person were like, we want to do this vigil. Let's do a vigil. And let's say that it's the Wilani Defense Society Chicago chapter. And poof, it was born. You know, it's like there's a level of informality that is accessible. But you're like not alone in this because there's other folks who are trying to answer these same questions together.
0: Yeah, I like that. Um, I think that speaks to the need for new organizational forms. For this modern and fragmented era, Um, I actually was just reading a book review. I finally got around to reading um, because I wrote a book review of the George Floyd Uprising book that some people we know did uh, via the Vortex Group. That's what they uh, call themselves, at least for that publication. So I was reading a review that somebody else did. And um, one of the things they said was, you know, a lot of the authors in this book are very very skeptical of any kind of party or organization or anything like that, because the world we live in right now is so fragmented. And because, you know, nothing like the party exists right now, um, they kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater and they're like, so therefore we shouldn't try to build a party. We shouldn't build organizations. We shouldn't build institutions, stuff like, you know, class, Uh, labor, production, these are not things that really make sense to organize around anymore. And what the author of the review said and what I agree with is they're kind of confusing the symptoms for the cause at that point. You know, like just because we're all fragmented and depoliticized and disorganized doesn't mean that we shouldn't still try to bring organization and politics, politics themselves to bear on the struggle to overthrow capitalism, I think that would be a huge strategic error. And um, not everybody in the book thinks that. There's a, a few of the authors gesture towards the need, but, but you know, they call it ev- like, even the more pro-organization people writing say that we need new organizational forms. So I guess what I'm saying is this is sort of an experiment along those lines and um, mm. We're we're trying to figure it out as we go along. Um, but we need to create institutions and we need to make a place for people to go. Like you were saying, um, whether or not there is a sort of spontaneous popular uprising happening at the time. And I think that's what drew a lot of us to uh, the fight against Cop City, right? Because it's something that we we're, we're trying to figure out. What do communists do? What do revolutionaries do? Uh, in between these popular uprisings that we don't have a whole lot of control over one way or the other. Um, How do we build and how do we make a place for people to go? People who've maybe participated in things like 2020. And after that, they're like, where do we go from here? People who've been changed by it. And, uh, you know, that was the wager. Also, a lot of these local struggles can erupt and pull in more layers of society and spread. And I don't think That necessarily happened with the Atlanta stuff, but that doesn't mean that it's not, it wasn't a worthwhile project and it wasn't a worthwhile wager, you know?
1: Yeah. It's like one thing that comes up for me in that is like, what is the relationship between a decentralized and autonomous movement and like burgeoning and emergent organizational forms? And I think that's sort of the nexus that, we're at with the Wilani Defense Society, which is like, how do we maintain? Like one of the, the, uh, the the main fucking butterfly effect of the Wilani, uh sorry, of the uh, Stop Cop City, Defend the Atlanta Forest movement is it became the sort of cutting edge in this country for eco abolitionist resistance in it being a totally decentralized and autonomous movement, and what that sort of means is like decentralized and that there is no center right there's no centralized decision making body there's no crew that you have to run something by in order to make it happen um and they're actually it's like impossible to even know that you can't map the fucking uh resistance uh you can't you can't map the resistance to it because it's um that it's one group of people doing something probably doesn't know the other group of people doing something because there isn't always a way to communicate across these lines of geographic and political and racial difference within the struggle. Um, so this like decentralized and autonomous element became just like the the paradigm shift was different orgs and communities and groups and individuals and crews uh, and cities uh acting in accordance with what makes sense to them without asking permission from anybody and that same that that's that sort of like ethic is what i think we'll see continue to spread hopefully in in uh in the decades and the years and the decades to come but it's also there's difficulties with that too which is like how do we organize across like like we're entirely decentralized and autonomous. We're just like this, like all of these different nodes that are connected, and some of them are not connected to anything. And it's just like there's like thousands and thousands of little bubbles everywhere. Some of them are connected, most of them aren't. So how can we do big things together uh, while maintaining the level of autonomy and agency that the that the that the movement itself sort of like, uh, you know, held at its core.
0: How indeed million dollar question, okay, I had a thought about what you were saying, and then it totally hold on, yeah, I don't know. it's fine. <laughs> this happens to me a lot i'm sure I'm sure it'll come back as we continue to uh talk about this stuff. Oh, wait, yes, okay, so there is a center in one sense, at least there has been, which is to say a geographical one, right. Mm. Oh, because people from all over the country had their eyes on Atlanta. Even the goddamn Biden administration, they had that fucking memo where they said, you know, we look to this training facility as a blueprint for all the other cop cities we're going to build all over the fucking land. So I think a lot of people were looking to Atlanta, you know, friends and foes, both, uh, friends and foes alike, looking to Atlanta as a bellwether um, as to how this is going to go in the rest of the country. Now, there are a lot of unique challenges in Atlanta as well because they have the domestic terrorism statutes in the state of Georgia, which were put on the books as a result of the Dylan Roof shooting, which is, you know, I've talked about this before, but it's just a really uh, fucked up thing to think about, you know, the the law that was on the books. You know, opportunistically, I would say, um, they put it, they, they did that after a white supremacist shooting because there was going to be widespread political support for it. Guess what? Now they're using it to go after anti-racist protesters. So that's the world we live in. Um, And it's been geographically centered in Atlanta, which I think is both good and bad in lots of different ways. But um, I think some of the rationale behind the movement looking outside of the state for the next big thing that's going to happen, and I am referring. Of course, to the summit in Tucson, Arizona, that is happening in February. Fuck, that's so soon. Um,
1: it's I think, about a month from now. It's like the 23rd to the 26th, I believe.
0: Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, and I think, that's, uh, I think that's a good thing. I think that could be potentially very good to spread. Because we're always talking about how this isn't just a local issue. And it's not. And I think to spread it to a different place with different uh, a different set of material circumstances and a different set of factors, um, where one of the big insurers of Cop City is based nationwide, um, that will pose its own set of uh, challenges, but I think could ultimately be a really positive development. And I'm not saying this as a spokesperson for whatever is going on, although we were <laughs> we were the official spokespeople. I don't know if anything's official in such a movement, but we were speaking to the media on behalf of Block Cop City, but I think we should make it clear that we are now speaking merely as ourselves and as people involved who can be sort of pundits on the one hand, who have insider knowledge on the other, but, um, you know, where our opinions are our own. That's what I'm saying. And, you know, and those of our sponsors, of course.
1: Everything, I, I actually don't know diddly fucking shit about the, uh, about the summit. Um, everything that I'm getting can be found, uh, uh, or that I'm getting is, I've gotten from, at Stop Cop City Summit on Instagram, um, I have heard though that there will be some frequently asked questions and information being dumped on that channel uh, in the coming days uh, if it's not up there already. Um, I have like fifteen more minutes before I have to jump onto uh, a call. Um, but I fine. did want to talk about one more thing with you Yeah, let's uh, do it This is... has
0: been good so far Oh my god, we're doing a podcast <laughs> I'm forgetting I also, my I... NPR voice That's how excited I am
1: I looked up Andreas Malm And, you know He's pretty cute
0: <laughs> That is the most important thing about him For sure
1: <laughs> Well, that was mean <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I am not against I feel like I always sound sarcastic, even when I'm not trying to be. Um no, that was a little sarcastic, but uh yeah, no, I would never <laughs> tell you not to objectify a comrade. I think that's super super fun and something that we need to not be uh sanctimonious crudes about.
1: Yeah, it's just the material conditions, you know? Yeah. Um so today is the seven year anniversary of the J twenty Protests and riots in um, Washington, D.C., which was against Donald Trump at his uh, f- f- inauguration. I almost said his first inauguration. Um,
0: at, his, <laughs> oh. at his first inauguration.
1: Brilliant slip. Um, uh slip. Jesus. Um, uh, January 20th, 2017, in which uh, the largest black block, uh, so, you know, a, pro- a protest where everyone's wearing matching black outfits, essentially, everyone's wearing all black, so one's actions can't be really. Prescribed to a certain body And they all blend into one another On this um, day,
0: black block history
1: On this day in black block history um, the. Yeah, we should cut that part out <laughs> um and uh, and uh the largest black block that i think the country had seen since uh the world trade organization protest in seattle in 99 um amounted in a 200 person mass arrest uh, like one of the uh, a kettle they call it when 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 the protesters are surrounded on all sides and over the next um year and a half or so these 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 almost every single one of the 200 protesters were charged on identical charges conspiracy to riot property destruction and um Kirk Kirkhoff the fucking prosecutor was trying to um of course just politicking trying to uh make a c- political career for herself and um was trying to basically have a paradigm shift in saying that if you're a part of a protest if you're a part of a black bloc you're wearing a uniform and you're a part of like a a conspiracy Um, and a gang and it's like that was like a that was the largest political repression that was one that was among the largest types of political repression that we saw during the trump administration and i feel like the rico charges and the domestic terrorism charges but specifically the rico charges in in georgia against atlanta forest defenders is um it just the, the, the the parallels to me are uncanny
0: it's also Jake Flores' birthday. Talk about Disrupt J20.
1: Happy birthday.
0: Shout out. Shout out to my buddy, collaborator. He would be born on J20. <laughs> but yeah, that is a... Uh, uh, fuck. fuck. <laughs> that was a very good summary of what's going on. And I agree with you. I think it is a good parallel. It's important to point it out and to show how far we have not come although look on some level I have wrestled with this a little bit in my own mind because you know on the one hand it's really important to legally defend our people by any means necessary using all of the rhetoric of the system at hand using the you know the bourgeois legal system invoking bourgeois rights where necessary right but you know as communists we are ultimately trying to overthrow All of that so i just wonder sometimes uh if you feel conflicted about invoking the the language of bourgeois rights Hmm. uh, and the bourgeois legal system in service of this movement to overthrow it or maybe we just have to use all the tools at our disposal and uh yeah we also don't need to have like this false equivalency between um like oh well if you say it's bad when the right does it then that means you can't do it either like that's bullshit. <laughs> like we all know that right
1: yeah yeah we can't uh play into the sanctity of the law i feel like it is worth noting too that the j20 case uh the defendants won the defendants won that case and none of these people who were facing Decades like some of some people forty years in prison, so I kind of came to politically in the city of Carbondale, Illinois, and there were six defendants from this small city of Carbondale who were defendants on the um on the j twenty trial um and some of them were facing forty years in prison and um there was a few reasons why the whole case came crumbling down. one is the legal argument was bullshit. You know, just because you're a part of a crowd that some members of the crowd did certain acts doesn't make you responsible for them. You know, that's not how reality works. Um, and two is, well, totally prosec- prosecutorial misconduct and fuckery, which can be expected in these cases. But one little piece of in, like one little tidbit Is uh, So the bathrooms at the courthouse in Washington, D.C. were used by pretty much everyone involved. So the, the, the jurors and the general public used the same bathrooms. And someone from the general public wrote on the bathroom stall in Sharpie, Google jury nullification. And one of the jurors Googled it and told all of the other jurors about this idea of jury nullification. Can you speak to what that is at all? Jury nullification? No, I cannot. (laughs) Go on. It's it's just... Well, like, to nullify something is to render obsolete, is to void it, you know? And the jury has... Any individual juror has the ability to um, nullify a jury uh, through certain actions. Um, Jury nullification is... uh, The jury returns... uh, a not guilty verdict even if jurors believe beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant broke the law and this can occur um because like for example because of prosecutorial fuckery or things like that mm. cool um i also don't know what jury nullification is but uh <laughs> it's <laughs> uh it's essentially when a jury nullifies a verdict um uh, when people break unjust laws also so it's like
0: Good for them. That's crazy that they uh, found out about that from bathroom graffiti.
1: So Google Murray Bookchin, Google jury nullification.
0: I guess it's not graffiti if it has a purpose. I mean, I Um, I guess all writing on walls has some purpose or another, right? Even if it's only to tell people that Susie gives the best blowjobs.
1: Susie, do be given good blowjobs.
0: But this has like a higher, a noble purpose, a higher purpose, a political purpose. Mm.
1: Higher than blowjobs.
0: Which, you know, I guess I shouldn't. Apples and oranges. Shouldn't shouldn't compare. You know, the, so Jamie, <laughs> we have, we must have red and we must have roses too. Mm, mm, mm.
1: Uh, So, Jamie Peck. Uh, I think this is about where we, where we, where we sign off. Um, I feel good about this. I had a thing that I was going to say, and I don't remember what it was anymore. But, you know, we have a podcast. We don't have a name. We don't have a a, a script. We, we don't have social media handles. We don't have a video or audio editor. But we're going to uh, do it. And we're going to do it.
0: Yup, That's so the long and
1: short of it. I've gone... Like I don't know four years without Downloading the app TikTok onto my phone Ever <laughs> um, Can you still do that I just remember when they like Banned it and you couldn't download it again I'm assuming you can uh, I mean
0: I have it it hasn't been Stolen from my phone by the government okay. yet
1: Why um, Well we will down. I will download TikTok uh, Oh you want to put wants. us
0: on TikTok
1: We should probably do that um, Okay I, as-
0: <laughs> I nominate you As the youngest person in here
1: uh, you know, and I'm going to learn how to do some audio editing. Uh, but if anyone listening wants to help us with that,
0: <laughs> how can they listen if we don't know how to <laughs> make a podcast? That's like, is true. there anyone in my house listening right now who can uh, who can do this shit for us? No, I'll figure it out. I got I got ways. Um, but yeah, uh, let's plug some stuff. Assuming that. Um, because we do plugs at the end. That's what every podcast does. Um, yeah, so plug-a-bles. besides, besides our own podcast and our need for, um, labor, do you have anything to plug?
1: I didn't think this far ahead, my G.
0: It's okay. You don't have to. Uh, I do.
1: Find me, at. find me on hinge.
0: <laughs> yeah. I feel like. I'm really excited for my listeners to get to know you a little bit, Salem, because they know me already, but they don't know you, and you're very special. Um, I would like to plug, always, I would like to plug, uh, assuming that this comes out (laughs) at some point in the next week, uh, I'm doing a show. That is ostensibly why I'm in L.A., Yeah, that's right. Throw your hands in the air. Um, Me and Jake Flores. Woke Mob back at it again. Number two. The first one was in New York City. The second one is in Los Angeles. coastal baby. We are everywhere. Uh, And it is happening Thursday, January 25th at a warehouse in downtown LA that we will tell you the address of. If you buy a ticket and the tickets are pretty cheap. I think the most expensive ones are $15. So if you are in the Los Angeles area and you want to see me and Jake be funny some more together, uh, check it out. And it's also going to be an Indie Sleaze dance party after that because it sort of got rolled together with a party that Jake's girlfriend was already throwing for his birthday. So at first, I was like, I had some mixed feelings about the Indie Sleeves theme, but because um, I'm like, I do not. All You fucking Zoomers, you don't know. You don't know what it was like back then. You would cancel all of these people in a second. can Handle it. Um, Coney 2012, maybe, baby. Right? Like, ugh, but the music is still good. So, like, hopefully we can enjoy the good things about it and, you know, vow to do better about the bad things, we can overcome it uh, in the Hegelian sense. I don't know if that really counts, but you know, the new thing has elements of the old thing embedded within it, but hopefully no one is being human trafficked this time, like the girl from Crystal Castles was being by the guy from Crystal Castles. It's a really fucked up story, look it up. Anyway, I went on Jake's podcast this week as well to talk about some of these things. Um So check out Pod Damn America as well. If you want to hear me talk about what it was like to be a girl reporter back in the early aughts, um, reporting on the music scene and dealing with sexual harassment, so there you go. I wish you were coming. And
1: uh, you're the. I wish I was coming too. Um, I need to take a break from travel uh, after uh, all the travel we've been doing for the last few months. Um, but Crime Wave is the name of your party, right?
0: Yes. Yes, it is. It's named after the Crystal Castle song, which I just found out is a cover of a health song. That kind of blew my mind.
1: I just saw that too. I was trying to share my audio so I could play that song and uh, we could get taken down on copyright infringement, but uh, I can't share my screen (laughs) because I'm I'm not a co-host, but um, that's okay.
0: Well, we can add it in post.
1: Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, If you follow me on social media... Uh,
0: if you know, you know. Uh, it's all. It's all I've been posting about. If you know, on you know. Instagram, which is jammypeck six six six, and my Twitter slash X account, which I still have for some stupid fucking reason. Me and Jake have been posting a lot about it on there, so the link is definitely. It's all over. It's all over my shit. Figure it out.
1: Figure it out. Um, come, I feel come like say I- hi i'm so broke but i feel like we should probably go to the summit
0: yeah i want to go
1: you want to go now okay cool
0: i'm planning i'm planning on it
1: cool um i'm gonna look into i'm gonna look into it i uh it's gonna cost a lot of money to fly out there and do all that shit so um you know if you want to support uh the party girls podcast going to the stop cop city summit feel free to, uh, you know, subscribe to. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> the Patreon we haven't made yet. Is mm-hmm. that what we're going to use? Like, I don't even know anymore. We can make an OnlyFans. good to use. Like, am I, I mean, I have one, but, <laughs> one yeah. for well, the podcast.
1: That's your money. <laughs> it's true.
0: Well, maybe I'll, I, I share it sometimes with people. So yeah, if, if you subscribe to my OnlyFans, you're basically supporting the Rev. <laughs> that's, Dude, I gotta be careful. People say that kind of shit and it's bad. It's bad when they do it. But, uh, I mean, look, you're supporting one person who's involved in the rev. That is how I could afford to go on a speaking tour for a month of my life and spread the good word. So that was pretty cool.
1: Well, thank you for tuning in to Party Girls, partygirls.org, the weekly wedge report. I'm Sam Beard. I'm
0: Jamie Peck.
1: This is Ben. Until next.
0: (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) I'm the worst. You're gonna find this out about me. Go on. Find out.
1: Find. You know, I uh, I I welcome your steps.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Until next time. Oh fuck! We need like a. Oh, we need a sign off. In ALC, it was due to reading.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll 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 polish this up. Um, I have a Wielony defensive side call. I have to jump to, so oh, I yeah. will Do the work. talk to you. Do the work. Um, have fun in the beautiful city of Angels, and uh, let's 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 talk soon. All right, cool. I'm
0: gonna stop the recording now.